about the NFL draft coming up in a couple weeks and acting like it's the exact science when it is anything but that. Talking about how all these quarterbacks are going to get drafted and, duh, of course quarterbacks are going to go early. The NFL is a quarterback's league. It's basically all that matters. Justin Fields, the Ohio State quarterback, he's dropping to like the fifth quarterback taken, but still maybe in the top ten. And a lot of people have their panties in a bunch because of the alleged sociological implications of Justin Fields dropping in the first round of the draft. But why can't each team and GM and coach, why can't they just think about what they want? and just draft as they please. And if Fields goes in the top 10 or 15, is that really a crime against decency? We really worry about some dumb crap. Mel Kuyper Jr. has the Steelers taking Najee Harris in the first round at number 24 overall, the running back from Alabama. I certainly hope he's right, but the Steelers have so many holes, their draft could go any number of ways. And not a single one of them involves Miller time. That was a vintage Breaking Bad and Mike Ermintrop reference I made right there. New World Order brought to us by 84 Lumber, your hometown building partner, and by Armstrong, keeping you connected. I got my poll up on Twitter. What team helped itself the most prior to the NHL trade deadline? You can vote at Mark Madden X right now. The Islanders are at 43.3% of the vote. Uh, Penguins are at 23%. Boston is at 22%. Washington at 18%. Excuse me, 13%. Uh, boy, Y'all are overestimating what Taylor Hall still is. You're looking at what he used to be. I think the Islanders did help themselves the most. I think Washington is second because, again, they're going to be so big and so tough to play against. Although my guest last hour, Matt Larkin, made a good point when he said that Mantha is big, but he's not overly physical and aggressive. But, boy, in terms of sheer size, what are the Penguins going to do against Washington? And uh, I would say the Penguins are third and Boston is fourth. But I think that the distance between everybody else in Boston at the bottom is considerable because I just have zero faith in Taylor Hall. Dude might have been MVP in 2018. He had two goals in almost 40 games all of this year. Uh, I'm going to talk about the uh, Masters. Matt Siyama won, good for him, I don't care. But not many of you cared because the TV ratings on Sunday for the final round were the lowest for a final round of the Masters, not including the, the fall tournament last year. The lowest for the final round of the Masters since 1993. I think it's easy to guess why that is. I think it's a lot harder for golf to dig its way out. But right now, let's go to Nick in the truck. Nick, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark, a part of me believes Julian Edelman, even though it's saying that he's going to retire, a part of me believes like he's going to end up 
down with Brady at the Buccaneers after this coming season. Nick, I, 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 I would think that too. I, I I think he'll play this next season for Tampa Bay. Gronk retired too, and that's where he wound up. Right. I mean, I, I think it's all that kind of ploy. Did he? I, I didn't even follow him this past season. Did he go the entire season, or did he have the knee injury during the season? Yeah, he, he was hurt. I mean, I got to be honest. When I think of like good players and good wide receivers. Julian Edelman's name never comes to mind with me. I don't even think of him remotely as an elite receiver. He's just a guy that had some big Super Bowls because he played in a lot of Super Bowls, and Tom Brady was his quarterback. I equate Julian Edelman kind of like Juju Smith-Schuster. You know, when you have Ben Roethlisberger and you had Antonio Brown and Juju could, you know, get away with getting open and they didn't have to worry about him as much as Antonio Brown, he was great. When you have Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski in the running game that they had with passing out of the backfield, Julian Edelman is going to do well. But um, I, I agree. I don't think he's elite, but I definitely would say, hey, it would be great to have him on my team, but never future Hall of Famer by any means. No way. Yeah, I, I don't see it. I don't even see him being remotely considered. But you never know because the Boston media has a powerful say, and there's a big – Boston, New York, L.A., Chicago, a big media market bias. And uh, don't forget, the Football Hall of Fame is something that those guys go into a room and campaign for their cronies. And there's no good yeah. way to put it. Uh, you know, I, I know Ed Bouchette sees it, and on his behalf, people see it as noble work for him to go in there and campaign for, you know, all the Steeler guys that have made the Hall of Fame in the past. But I think the best way to vote for Hall of Fame is to just vote for Hall of Fame. Everybody knows what the players did. They saw them. They know the numbers. Why does it have to be a situation where a campaign is held? Is, is greatness are, something you campaign for? I do not think so. You hit the nail on the head, though, when you talked about the numbers. I mean, you came up with a couple Steelers that have better numbers than Julian Edelman. I don't care how well they can campaign. It's so hard to get past the fact that his numbers are mediocre at best. Oh, at best. The numbers don't lie, and they spell disaster for him at sacrifice. Let's go to. I'm never going to get tired of that. Let's go to Kenny on the south side. Kenny, you're on with Double M. Well, basically, to reiterate what the previous caller said, the only reason why he's being Edelman is being considered for the Hall of Fame is because he was a Patriot. And like how you like to quote Jack Ham, hey, if I was drafted by like what the Arizona Cardinals, I would no New Orleans. Jack said if he had been drafted by New Orleans, no one ever would have heard of him. Yeah, and if Julian Edelman was a Carolina Panther, no one would have ever heard of him. Yeah, that that's fair to say, but it's also fair to say that what happened happened. And he went where he did and he accomplished what he did, but even going where he did and accomplishing what he did and winning all he did, for me it's not nearly enough, not, not close to making Julian Edelman a Hall of Famer. Well, doesn't it speak to a larger point of Halls of Fame just in general? The standard has just gone down. Well, Halls down. of Fame suck, and I've never liked them. They are a uh, subjective way of trying to reclassify what already happened objectively. But let me give you a for instance. And I'm stealing this from my 5 o'clock monologue. But when the Baseball Hall of Fame was founded in 1936, that's the first sports Hall of Fame ever, okay? The five players inducted in that first class were Ty Cobb, Babe Ruth, Hannes Wagner, Christy Mathewson, and Walter Johnson. And now 85 years later, 
people are making a case for a guy who never made a Pro Bowl to make the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We've gone from Babe Ruth to Julian Edelman. Well, I can't put it any more perfectly than that. You really can't, but that's why I get the big money. Let's go to Mick on the Liberty Bridge. Mike, whatever your name is. It's Mike, but thanks, Madden. Uh, I'm not disagreeing. Uh, 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 Mr. Madden or Mark, one or the other. Mr. Madden. Go ahead. Uh, I'm not agreeing with you, uh, disagreeing with you whatsoever, but I would like to say when Julian Edelman was warming up, he was catching, uh, you know, prior to the game, one-handed catches, uh, you know, high, mid-range, and then low, one-handed uh, before the game. Unlike our Jabonis here in Pittsburgh, they're, you know, TikToking videos. Okay, I don't see a point here, but go ahead. I'm just saying that he just has a better work ethic than what we currently have. I understand that his numbers are I have a better work ethic than, 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 than Juju Smith-Schuster. What's your point? No point. That's it, basically. Thank it's you for the call. You done? Okay. 412-333-WXDX. We'll talk about those TV ratings for the Masters on Sunday. They were the lowest since 1993. We'll talk more about Julian Edelman. I still want your thoughts on the Jeff Carter trade, and we've upped the ante in that regard. we got a poll on Twitter, and you can talk on this show as well. Of the Eastern teams, East Division, which helped itself the most at the trade deadline. Washington got Mantha. The Islanders got uh, Palmieri and Zajac. The uh, Bruins got Taylor Hall. The Penguins got Jeff Carter. Who got the most? Who did the best? Who made their team better? 105.90X. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Super genius, big fan, big fan. you got to be a big timer to get on this show. Double M, huge fan. Raise the Jolly Rancher. The X at 105.9. Here's a tweet from Confidence Man regarding the candidacy of Julian Edelman for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Edelman is a lot like Robert Horry. Won a bunch of championships and was a key role player on those teams. He made big shots at big times, but never was an all-star. He has respect from his peers, but he averaged seven points per game, and nobody ever mistook him for Hall of Famer. Uh, That's right on the money, although in terms of uh, stats, I think Edelman has better than Robert Horry, but it's the same gist. If you're going to, you know, put everybody in the Hall of Fame that was on a multiple championship winning team, well, where do you stop? Again, Emmanuel Sanders had much better stats than Julian Edelman. Heinz Ward had much, much better stats than Julian Edelman. So if you put Edelman in and not those guys, you're saying, okay, the stats don't matter. We're putting this guy in just because. And that's not a good enough reason. I wish we were doing this show in Boston. I'd love to hear what Boston people think, because they're all dinks, and they can talk themselves into just about anything. Uh, the TV ratings for the Masters on Sunday were the lowest since 1993. That does not include the November Masters from last year. But suffice it to say the ratings suck, and that's because golf isn't about golf anymore. It's about Tiger, and without Tiger... In the minds of many people, there is no golf. There was no Masters tournament when he did not play. And I see these articles that golf needs to create new stars. But only the golfers 
can do that. The big lead had this snarky article that golf needs to tell its big-name golfers to be bunched up at the top of the leaderboard on Sunday, and Matsuyama shouldn't run away with it. Yeah, okay, ha-ha. But the reality is that if Tiger Wood had run away with it, people would have watched in record numbers. The drop is because of no Tiger, period. Golf, for years, for decades, put all its eggs in the Tiger basket, and how could you not, but now that's over, and golf's just going to fade. It'll never be as big as it was with Tiger, ever. It will never mean as much as it did with Tiger, ever. That happens. Look how NASCAR has faded. We refuse to acknowledge that sometimes things run their course in terms of popularity. They still exist, but not as many people care, like NASCAR. Wrestling. Fewer people than ever watch wrestling. When I was a kid, the three biggest sports in America were baseball, boxing, and horse racing. That has changed dramatically, needless to say. Golf has just run its course, and now it won't be as popular, not ever again, because no one will ever catch fire and capture the public's imagination the way Tiger Woods did. Nothing is immune to declining interest, and even more so these days because of all the different entertainment options. Golf's not really a sport anyway. At the heart of golf, it's something you play, not something you watch. 412-333-WXDX. We've been talking all day about the Edelman situation. I'd like for someone to call up and tell me one legitimate good reason why he should be in the Hall of Fame. And don't tell me the playoff numbers when his regular season numbers are so mediocre. Penguins news, uh, Jeff Carter addressed the media today. Apparently he's going to play next year too, so this is not just a a one and done for him here in Pittsburgh. Uh, Mike Sullivan said that Gaudreau is week to week. And he said Kasperi Kapanen and Evgeny Malkin are both skating. Rob Rossi's going to join us in the 5 o'clock hour. And Rossi says that Malkin has a soft return date, a target set for May 6th and 8th when the Penguins play the Sabres. Well, of course he wants to play against the Sabres. You know, get your stats going right off the bat. So uh, we'll see when Gino comes back, how he looks when he gets back, and uh, will the Penguins still play the same systemically with Malkin as they have so well without. Uh, the Penguins got vaccinated today. Uh, it wasn't required. I'd, I'd like to know who said yes and no. They're not going to tell us, but I'd be interested in hearing that. The NFL says that players will not be required to be vaccinated, but coaches and staff members who do not get vaccinated will have limited access, which is one way of telling the coaches and staff members they have to get vaccinated. What if Tomlin refused to get vaccinated and had limited access? Well, he really couldn't coach then, could he? So vaccinations are required for coaches and staff members, really, de facto, certainly are. Denver and Seattle, the players say they will not participate in OTAs and think the offseason should be held virtually. Uh, I agree with that, but not for the reasons 
uh, they're pretending to have. They're acting like it's because of COVID. They just don't want to put in the time. They just don't want to uh, walk away from their vacation for those days like they're so stupidly required to do. There's no need for OTAs. Football's never understood that less is more. It's supposed to be this exact science where you have to know everything just perfectly and practice and execute. But despite that, at the end of the year, one team won. One team finished last. Everybody was in between. I don't feel like any competitive edge is gained through friggin' OTAs, for God's sake. So the only reason teams ever had OTAs was because they wanted to keep an eye on their players and not let them get up to what football players so often get up to in the offseason. They take them away from that for a few days, and now I don't think they're going to. I don't think there's going to be OTAs. Well, you know what? If any team has OTAs, the Steelers will because there's never been a coach or an organization or a team or a group of people who are as self-important as the friggin' Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, up next, going to talk to the godfather, Stan Saverin. He's just around the corner on 105.9. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. I would want total and absolute autonomy. Hey, Mark. Great show. Are you part psychic? Well, I'm actually more neurotic than psychic. The X at 105.9. Joining me now, he is the godfather of the Pittsburgh sports media. Always great to talk to Stan Saverin. Stan, please tell me you don't think Julian Edelman should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I don't. Um, I think he was a very good wide receiver. Um, I think he was... Uh, uh, not taking any away from him. I think he was a byproduct of an excellent system and maybe the greatest quarterback who ever lived, uh, the most accurate quarterback, um, very good, tough, big catches, big catches in big games. But I think we have to kind of, you know, a winner, uh, but we have to draw a line somewhere, and that's not to take anything away from what he did, but, again, we have to draw the line between very good and great and maybe even great and better than great. I agree. I don't think he even merits consideration. But I'll tell you what, Stan, I think he's got a shot. The Pro Football Hall of Fame is something that Stooges campaign for, the media types, and that introduces more bias as opposed to just voting. I, I do not like their process. Yeah, I think it's, it's probably left to um, uh, uh, too few selectors. And they're the same people every year. And I'm not casting aspersions on them. You know, on the other hand, uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame, um, uh, you know, there's too many. 
the one one thing that I do like about the Pro Football Hall of Fame selection committee is they're all current working journalists. You know, they're they're not guys who you know were members of the baseball writers in, in uh, 1938 and haven't been to a game since. So I mean, there's there's that going, but uh, you know, everybody has their agenda. Uh, you know, each franchise uh, area gets a representative, and he campaigns for you know a guy from that team, that sort of thing. That's my uh, point, though, Stan. Should campaigning be involved, or should the numbers speak for themselves? Well, I shouldn't say campaign. Maybe that's a bad choice of words. Um, he makes the presentation. I mean, obviously he's advocating for the guy, but I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't know. For example. Um, if Ed Bouchette goes around and calls people or texts people and say, hey, you should consider this guy, my understanding is that they uh, have their meeting and they stand up, make the presentation, and then people vote on it. Does Heinz Ward deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? And what if Edelman would make it and Heinz doesn't? Well, I think if, if Edelman makes it or vice versa, then the other one belongs. Um, you know, look, Heinz Ward was very good. Um, I, I look at it this way, Mark. I, I don't. When I'm thinking about any Hall of Fame, uh, I look at what the guy did during his career relative to his era. Uh, I'm not going to look at Edelman and say, "Well, he had so many catches, but Jerry Rice had this much." I think you look at a guy during his playing time. Was he the best at what he did, or certainly among the best? Um, did he stand out heads and shoulders over most? It was one of my things about Alan Fanica. I mean, Alan Fanica made the Pro Bowl virtually every single year he played. And the consensus was he was the best guard in the game at that time. Was he as good as John Hanna? Was he as good as uh, Jim Parker? I mean, I don't know, but I do know that during his playing career, he was considered the best. And then I would look uh, at his contemporaries, and I would make my decision based on that. Has the idea of a Hall of Fame become passe? The original inductees into the Baseball Hall of Fame, which was the first Hall of Fame stand, they were Cobb, Ruth, Wagner, Christy Matthewson, and Walter Johnson. Now we're debating Julian Edelman. Right. <laughs> People talk about hair and, uh, you know, should there be statistical landmarks? Um, if you get 3,000 hits, if you win 300 games, which we may, we may never see again, uh, if you hit 500 home runs, should that be automatic? Um, I don't. Again, I don't think it should be based on statistics. I think it should be based on presumably knowledgeable people who followed the game, covered the game. It's another thing wrong with baseball. Only writers. I mean, it's like you're telling me, well, Vin Scully doesn't get a vote. He doesn't know anything about baseball. Um, uh, that there's a big flaw with that. But I, again, I, maybe just the eye test. Um, I mean, I do think if you know if a guy is a career three fifty hitter, um, if a guy has you know x amount of home runs, three hundred victories, uh, that certainly 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 should be a, a strong determinant. But again, I, if we're if we're having knowledgeable, presumably knowledgeable people vote who follow the game on a daily basis, then their judgment based on what they're seeing at the time ought to be good enough. We're talking to Stan Savern here on 105.9 The X. Stan, what's your take on the Jeff Carter acquisition for the Penguins, and how would he be most effectively deployed? Uh, what position and with who? Uh, I think he. I think it's fine. Um, it, it bothers me a little bit that the conditional could go to a two if they make the Stanley Cup final. 
But I look at it this way. If they make the Stanley Cup final, we won't even think about that until draft day in 2022. Um, it seems to me that if they're going to make the Stanley Cup final, for example, um, that he'll play 50% of the games. Otherwise, what was the point in getting him? Uh, I think that their ultimate decision, and only they could have known this, um, was not solely but largely predicated on knowledge about injuries that they had and we did not. Um, and, and specifically, Brandon Tanev. Uh, we find out yesterday that now, now Tanev could, could not be ready for the start of the playoffs. And, Mark, I'm not going to suggest that anybody plays like Brandon Tanev. I, mean, I, I haven't seen many guys play like Brandon Tanev. But they were looking for a physical forward, and I think that maybe with the prospect of being without him, potentially, for all of or part of the first round, I think that that encouraged them, despite the play of other third and fourth liners, which Hextall admitted limited the urgency of all this, I think that was a big factor. Um, you know, maybe the same thing is true at center, although he said they're expecting Malkin back before the playoffs. I mean, I think ultimately, uh, especially if Tanev is not available, then he plays on the wing. Uh, uh, again, assuming that Malkin's back and everything is up in the air about, you know, getting guys uh, back injured, the same now would apply for, you know, Freddie Gaudreau. Um, uh, I think that, that Carter probably fits best on a third or fourth line right wing. Now, one other variable, I know you've discussed this, is what do they decide to do with McCann? Do they leave McCann as third-line center, or do they put him up on Malkin's wing? I think that's what they'd like to do, ultimately. Uh, but my, my thought right now um, is, is right wing, which is where he's played most of this year. You can still use him to take a draw. And I think one of the understated elements of Carter's game is that he's right-handed. Right-handed guys who can win face-offs are really valuable. Um, all their other centers, depending on the health of Goudreau, are left-handed. So I think there's a value there. You can use him uh, at center and right wing to take a draw. But I, I just think it, it, the way they're structured, I think right wing is where he, he ends up being. Yeah, I think he'll wind up in the top nine, Stan. If he's on the fourth line, I don't see the point of having got him. But I'd be comfortable with him at center or right wing, and you're right. I think a lot depends on if uh, Gaudreau's healthy and especially if Tanev and Malkin are healthy. Now, here's my only critique about the trade in general, because I think Carter's probably still a pretty good player, and he has a shoot-first mentality, which I think the Penguins can use more of. But mm -hmm. I just hate trading draft picks, and I'm not sure the Penguins are a legit Stanley Cup contender even now. If I knew they were going to win a series, I would feel a lot better about it. I'm not sure they're a lock to do that by any means. Not a lock, uh, but I, I also believe this. Um, my uh, thoughts about their potential uh, to make a run has changed dramatically. I mean, they're 14-5 in the water, 16-4-1 without Malkin, 15-whatever uh, it is. Um, that's very impressive. Uh, I, I don't think, frankly, I don't think Sullivan's got enough credit for the job he's been able to do. Uh, I would not predict automatically that anybody they face in the first round, that they will win. But I know this, based on where they were a month ago, where I thought they didn't match up favorably against anybody, um, I think now, at the very least, at the very least, they're a 50-50 shot to win the opening round, whoever that may be against. I mean, I really believe that. Um, I mean, I, I've seen the, the depth surface. 
uh, playoffs are a different animal. You know, the other teams, we think, have helped themselves. Certainly the, the Islanders appear to have. Um, I don't know that Taylor Hall makes a difference with Boston. Uh, but, but still, uh, I, mean, I think that winning a round, that's not what you want to be. That's not the only thing you want to look at. But I think that they're an even bet to win any first-round series against any opponent they play. Uh, which team in the East helped itself the most before the NHL trade deadline? Uh, every team, the, the four playoff teams, stand made a significant move. I would have to say the Islanders. Um, you know, based on what they lost and based on what they needed, uh, I, I think uh, you know they filled that. Um, you know, I maybe I'm wrong, um, but I, I always thought that you know that uh, Jacob Verona was a heck of a hockey player. Um, and I don't know what was going on over there. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, Anthony Mantha's a good player, too. Uh, I don't know that the Capitals helped themselves all that much because their goaltending is still an issue. Um, uh, Boston, they get scoring if Taylor Hall scores. That's a big if. Um, you know, he, he hasn't done a thing. And uh, I, I would be reluctant to get a guy who may, and I'll underline may, may have been dogging it just to get the hell out of Dodge. Uh, I, I don't know that's true of Taylor Hall. but oh, Stan, I think he's dogged it uh, many times in many situations. I wouldn't trust Taylor Hall in a big game if I could melt him down and pour him into it. Yep, I, I think that that'd be my concern. I mean, look, the Bruins are taking a shot. But I would also suggest that unless they get, you know, Tuka Rask back uh, at some point, uh, you know, their chances go way down. Um, again, I don't know the Capitals help themselves. Not that Mantha's not a good player. I just don't know that they help themselves all that much. I thought I think Verona's a really good player. Um, I think the yeah, Penguins... I think Verona's actually a better player than uh, Anthony Mantha. But Washington now is huge with Mantha and Wilson and Ovi. And I know Mantha's not overly aggressive, but he's still six foot friggin' five. Oh, he's huge. But I mean, how much of that more did they need? I mean, they're they're already um, certainly they're equal to Boston and the Islanders in size and physicality. I mean, how much more are you gonna you know gonna you know it's almost like the Penguins you know for a number of years uh, you know this past decade uh, wanting to add more scoring. You know, we need more scoring when they already had more than enough and didn't address the areas in which they were deficient. Um, uh, again, I, I mean, I think that the Capitals. You know, we we talked about this last time, and you're right. You know, the Penguins because they're a bit older. They seem to tail off, or at least that was the case. I mean, I think you'll find the same thing with the Capitals. I mean, they're not a young team. I mean, Mant is younger, but Verona was young. Um, uh, again, I, I, don't, I, I think the Islanders have improved themselves the most based on what their needs were. And you know what? Not that everybody you know, don't have good coaches. Uh, Barry Trotz, to me, is as good as it gets yep. when it comes to coaching. Stan, uh, I never thought I'd say this. And I definitely would not have said it before the season started. If you gave me a choice of the three teams besides the Penguins that will make the playoffs to play in a series, I would pick Boston right now. Out of nowhere, that became the best matchup for the Penguins. Yeah, that's shocking. Um, uh, I, I, I totally agree. Uh, I, again, I thought preseason, uh, I thought Boston was the best team in the division. Um, and on top of that, uh, I thought that. The, 
they're just a bad matchup for the Penguins, maybe traditionally because they always have been. Although it can also be said the last year and a half, the Penguins have done much better against Boston in Pittsburgh. They really have a decided advantage. Uh, maybe that's a sign of Boston's decline. The Bruins have now kind of degenerated into a one-line team, and I don't think you can say that about the Penguins. Um, I, I would agree. Um, and I also would add, uh, I wouldn't say it's imperative, but I think it's really important to finish first, not just because of home ice. The Penguins have been 16-3-1, whatever they are at home. But if you finish first, and let's say you get Boston, not, no guarantees, but then you wouldn't have to beat both the Islanders and the Capitals in the playoffs to advance. Um, you know, if you finish third, then the chances are, if, if the chalk plays out, you're going to have to beat both those teams, both big physical teams. So, um uh, I think that while we look at playoff positioning, uh, I do think that there is a benefit for the Penguins finishing first and at least only having to beat one of those two other teams. Stan, I'm not complaining because I, I, I do like the trade. I think Carter's a good ad. But what happened to the idea that the Penguins would get bigger? That trade for Carter is exactly like a trade Jim Rutherford would have made, and Carter's a very typical Penguin-type player. He is. He's got size. I mean, he's six three and two hundred and twenty five pounds. Um, you know, he's not a behemoth. Uh, you know, like like Anthony Mantha. Um, you know, he's not Tom Wilson. People shouldn't get the wrong idea about him. But you know, he plays with a physical edge. Um, uh, you know, and uh, let me put it this way: um, I would not want to see him morph into a second round pick in twenty twenty two. But having said that. If they make the Stanley Cup final and he is a contributing factor, which is also part of the equation, then, as I said, in June of 2022, when they're actually in somewhat of a better position, no one's going to worry about that. And I'm not worried about a fourth-round pick right now in 2023. I realize that they're bereft of draft picks, um, but what do you get for I mean, yeah, you, once in a while you get a Chris Letang in the third round. You get a Jari with a you know sort of a mid-round Jake pick. Gensel, Brian Rust. I mean, I, I yep. can't blow off a third-round pick, Stan. No, um, but if it, if it results in a, in a chance to win another cup, um, then I'm okay uh, with that. And they'll be in better shape. And you know what? By that time, um, I mean, they're going to definitely be in rebuild mode, and you will need the draft pick for sure. Uh, but if indeed that, that squeezes out one more legitimate chance to get there, um, I'll worry about it when they get there. And again, he'll be around next year, um, and, the, and th- that'll give them two drafts with which to replenish what you know Rutherford sent away. Stan, great stuff. I'll talk to you Thursday on your program. Okay, Mark. Thank you. That's Stan Saverin. The Godfather brought to us by Fox Bet. Download the app today and by Armstrong, keeping you connected. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call. We got Rossi next hour. We got room for a lot of calls between now and then. I'm watching Paris Saint-Germain and Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich, the defending uh, Champions League winners. And they are about to, I thought, give up what would turn out to be the winning goal. Although right now it's tied 3-3 in the final minute of regulation second leg, and if it stays that way, Paris Saint-Germain advances to the semifinals on away goals. Liverpool plays Madrid tomorrow, down three goals to one, and that's a tough nut to crack. Okay, get those calls in, and we got Rob Rossi next hour. We'll keep looking at the absurd Julian Edelman debate. Somebody tweeted just a moment ago.
as soon as next season starts, and I do believe Edelman's going to not retire and play for Tampa, but we will just uh, forget about all this when Edelman does indeed retire and he's literally not playing. And then five years from now, it'll sink in that it's totally absurd. When Edelman becomes eligible, it'll be very evidently totally absurd that he should not be in the Hall of Fame. I think. I hope. 10590X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. He don't do nothing but win. He just knows how to win. Super G, loud and proud. He is horrible. He is terrible. The X at 1059. Like it or don't like it. Learn to love it. Because if you have any woman on their face in a dirt or any wrestler, it is the best thing. Going today. Woo! The Daily Flare here on the X. Uh, let's go to Josh. Josh, wrong with Double M. Oh, super genius. What up, man? What up, man? Uh, two things. Number one, I got your name brand wings from uh, Big Shot Bob yesterday. Amazing, brother. I don't know what you did with them, but they're amazing. Uh, Big Shot Bob's did the work. I just uh, contributed the design, I guess, is the best way to put it. Well, nonetheless, they're awesome, definitely recommended. Um, But my my real reason for calling is is that I just, I I caught the tail end of yours in uh, Stan's conversation. And my question is, is like, do you honestly think that even with this new acquisition that the Pens are actually a team that could contend for being a finalist for the Stanley Cup. I mean, because... That could? From what I've seen thus far, it's like, um, you know, you don't know which team you're going to get I from I feel like tonight, the Penguins you know? are a better team this year than they were in each of the last two years. I feel they're more systemically sound. I feel like Crosby is at, if not the top of his game, very near. Latang is bought in to play more system, and he is a dark horse Norris Trophy contender. To my mind, he's not he only playing system. Years, he's not only playing defensive. No, no, no. He's he's doing a bit better on the defensive side of the puck in decision making this year. Uh, he, he's been brilliant. He's bought in. Now, when Malkin comes back, will he buy in? How will Malkin play? I do not know. And therein lies the real story. And therein lies how legitimate the Penguins' hopes will be in terms of making a run in the playoffs. Well, if you if you don't mind, sir, can I ask a follow up question? Yes. If 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 you if you think that uh, Malkin is like kind of like the catalyst, then what about like the goaltending? Because like I understand how goaltending works, and you know sometimes it's not just the goaltenders. You can't put it all on to Smith. You can't put it all on Jari. You know, so there's obviously some defensive faults there. But like I said, like you don't know which team you're. I, I, yeah, you do. Like I think I think they play great without Malkin. I think they're. Not a better team without Malkin, but they play better without Malkin, if you can appreciate the slight difference there. And I, I think the goaltending isn't going to steal games very often, although it has to once in a while. I don't think it's going to blow games very often either. I think the goaltending will pretty much be a, a sawed-off situation where you get pretty much over the long haul exactly what you expect. Let's go to Matthew in the car. Matthew, you're on with Double M. Hey, hey, what up, man? What up, man? Hey, I got a quick pick em for you. Absolutely random. Heinz Ward or Anquan Bolden? I don't know that I care enough to make a consideration over two guys who have not played for, what, a decade or more. 
It's just, you know, I figure with all this talk with Julian Edelman retiring and yada, yada, yada. I would take Juju Smith-Schuster. He would be my pick. All right, up next, just around the corner, we're going to talk more about this Edelman fiasco. And we got Rob Rossi talking about the Penguins at the bottom of the hour. Uh, Rossi said at TheAthletic.com today that Malkin has a projected return date, a hoped-for return date, written in pencil to be sure, but of May 6th and 8th when the Penguins host Buffalo for two games. That's Rob Rossi at the bottom of the hour here on 105.9.